I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative. Okay, we have a really interesting letter today. Okay, let's hear it. Dear Sarah and Jen, I'm a full-time studio potter and although I've grown my business and been steadily raising my prices, it's difficult to make ends meet. My business is thriving, my customer base is steadily growing and I can sell pretty much everything I make, but my work is very detailed and slow to finish. With the demands of being a parent and juggling life, I just can't seem to make enough money. I think I need an additional income stream, one that doesn't rely on me holding and touching it for ages until it's ready for the world. My last out-of-the-studio jobs were a series of administrative arts jobs where I gained a lot of useful knowledge and experience and worked with many artists, and it's work I actually enjoy and find myself often volunteering at. Because of all of this, artists often seek me out for professional advice and social media help. I've been considering doing some side work mentoring artists who need help, but am I crazy? Is it really possible to manage two separate and really different businesses? I 100% want to keep my ceramics business as my primary job. Do you think I'm foolish to think that mentoring artists can be a part-time side hustle and not interfere too much with my own creative business? Of course, I could take on some part-time work, but really I find I prefer to be my own boss. And maybe the answer is just to keep pushing and finding a way to have the ceramics studio be more profitable. I'm really torn. Do you guys have any brilliant thoughts? Such a good question. There's so much in there. Yeah. As What are your thoughts as you first listen to it? I guess there's two strands. So we need to talk about ways to make a creative business more profitable because a lot of people listening might be relating to that and thinking oh no does this mean I have to diversify and I don't always think it does mean that but then I would also really love to dig into this question of should she diversify and how it might look if she does yeah should we dive into making it more profitable first yeah so when you are in our letter writer situation so you've got something that's quite time consuming to make and it's not making you enough to support your life you kind of have a couple of options, don't you? So you can either increase your prices or you can try and reduce the labor intensity of whatever it is you're making or possibly bring on an extra team member to help you increase output. Yeah, I think this is always the problem with a handmade product-based business mm. will always come up against is you as a human being can only do so much. And the leap from where the business, it's quite a big leap because you either stay really small and you do what you can as a one human band mm-hmm. or you you grow a team where you can develop more things but is it very important to you that everything's made by you that we don't know if that's important to this potter like is it a business that you, where you want to have a team and where you want to have lots of people involved yeah or does that take away the joy of of this business for our letter writer and then also I guess the question of she talks about it being very time consuming to make is there any part of that process that actually isn't necessary it's something that's valuable maybe to you but not valuable to your end customer I think sometimes we can get to that point where we're perfectionisting on things and actually for our customer it doesn't make any difference if we'd left it alone maybe two hours earlier but I don't know this person's work so I can't say how much that does or doesn't apply I'm going to assume that it probably doesn't it kind of takes having I think like an objective conversation with yourself about the business Mm. like is the reality that you can't really do you can't really grow this current pottery business or is it that you can grow but you might have to make some hard decisions or some sacrifices yeah how scalable is it and I, I remember I think it's my husband that talks about someone he knew who used to do paintings for Damien Hirst and they were literally like paintings on on canvas of his design but they would 
replicate them for him and he would sell them for however much money he sells them for I, I don't know the person that told the story so it might not be completely true but that's the kind of thing we're talking about like how would you feel about someone else making your Damien Hirst painting and selling it does it still have the same value to people yeah I, I I'm so boring I know everyone's probably like we've heard you say this before <laughs> but I always think you've got to get to the core facts of the business so how much profit does this business need to be making you how much is it costing to run this business how much time do you have available get really clear because if you're looking at it and you're like you know what with the realities of this business this is the limit that it can make me with the time I have available to it I can't make any more but my life needs me to make more then that's good to be looking for something else. But if you're like, well, my business could make me more, but it has to scale into this new evolution of this business. Then the conversation is, do I want to scale into having a team or multiple people making things? It's it's one of those moments where your business is forcing you, it's backing you into a corner, but it's actually a good thing because this is the moment when you get to step up as a CEO of your own business. Yeah, either way, you're going to grow by the sounds of it. And that's exciting. And that brings so many opportunities. You maybe just have a choice about which direction you want to grow in and be aware I think that your fear is going to try and have a say here and tell you which feels whichever one feels safest or more comfortable to go for that one and just be mindful of that voice and as much as you can that thing that we always talk about on this podcast but take your emotions out of it and look at what your business wants and what's a good business decision and see how that feels yeah and then I guess asking are you crazy to consider doing something on the side I when I was just reading I was like no this is so like innovative of you that's what entrepreneurs do right yeah and also it's not like a completely separate business yeah it's not like you said I want to go into making supercars <laughs> on the side of my handmade pottery business to me it feels like a really natural extension of yeah. the brand that she's described an extension not something separate because yeah. it's it's the experience you've had that is going to make you a, if you want to be a great mentor for artists right and she talks about how her customer base is growing and she's selling so she is doing the day-to-day business of being an online artist and growing an audience and communicating with the audience so what she'd be teaching is exactly what she's doing in her day-to-day business I also think you haven't said that you feel like this but I'm gonna say it anyway for anyone else listening like you're not a failure if you have to diversify yeah a lot of people have to do a lot of different things we call it a portfolio career like to make ends meet Mm. because sometimes the work you love doing is limited in what it can make you if you're the person who if you want to be the one who can make and sell every piece of like pottery there's a limit there for how much you can do right unless you're able or willing to charge really high prices for each one of those pieces and your customers are able and willing to pay it then you're going to need to find different facets to your business but that is what it sounds like a different facet of the same business the brand she's built through her ceramics and I'm saying her I'm just assuming because I know most of our listeners are women (laughs) but so apologies letter writer if that doesn't feel like you but that brand that you've built is the tool that enables you to consider this as an option and maybe look into diversifying in this direction. So it is part of that brand, yeah. not something new, not you quitting at one thing or or kind of saying that one thing's not done well enough. It's just you making it work. Like how many people are writers who also offer some form of course or coaching mm. or s- consulting on the side? You know, it's, I, just, I guess it's just that encouragement of this is a great situation to actually be in that you have the option to diversify. And I think it says something about you that you recognize this need. And that other people have come to you asking for your advice already. To me, that suggests that you are someone who does this with with flair and with skill. 
and that you're actually quite in tune with your online audience and with what your customers are saying to you so it puts you in a really good place to be offering this like you're not some random who's actually not really figured doesn't really know what they're talking about you're someone with a strength that you're actually thinking this might be a good way for me to share that skill with the world yeah and then the the question of like how would you manage two separate and really different businesses I think what I found really interesting is that you said that the ceramics business would be your primary job Mm. so my encouragement would be that if you did want to do this the the mentoring business has to orbit the ceramics business yes and not vice versa it has to be giving the ceramics business life not taking away from it the good thing is you're your own boss so you get to define what that looks like and I would do that I don't know about you Jen I would do that by really strictly structuring my time and saying these are my days for working like mentoring coaching business and these are my sacrosanct ceramics days and the two should not mix yeah I would be I would have such a clear boundary around that mentoring side and I would also get really clear around what's the profit gap right now for you so getting really clear around what do you would you want your mentoring side hustle to make you yeah so then when it's done it yeah so then you so then you get to say to yourself okay I want to make an extra I'm going to pull a number out my head here say you say you want to make an extra 30 grand a year for mentoring and you have a limited amount of space each week to mentor then that gives you an idea of where you should be pricing the other thing is as time goes on one-on-one mentoring actually then opens up the ability to want to many mentoring yes you might have a course that you can create a workshop a masterclass, which frees up even more time it can this can continue to evolve but to get started you've got to be clear on what your boundaries are here so nothing takes away from the importance of your ceramics business and I think sometimes I've encountered this and I wonder if you have as well Jen that in theory it sounds like it's going to be an easy thing to do to start teaching these things when it's become, when it's theoretical it sounds quite simple and then when you actually get into the nitty-gritty of booking the calls finding the clients meeting their demands taking on board all of their kind of expectations and their struggles and sitting with them and then helping them find solutions it's work it's it's labor intensive it's time intensive it's emotionally intense and I think you need to be prepared for the demands that this new facet of your business will really put upon you. It's not the kind of side hustle where you can just be half in when you're working on it. No. I think coaching and mentoring is one of the most fulfilling, but also draining things to do. And I say draining not in a negative way, because I really feel like as a coach, it's a transference of energy. Yeah. I'm giving my energy to this experience for the client. And I, that is exactly where I want that energy to be going. But on the other side of it, I am tired. It's, it's very unlikely that after a day of coaching, I'm then going to go do something really creative. Right. I'm just going to go and watch some Netflix. So I think it's, if you do want to take this step, it's how to honor what you're offering there because your clients deserve you to be a mentor in that moment, not a ceramicist who's just mentoring to make ends meet. Right. And I, I think the the gist of this letter, oh, the yeah. feeling I get behind it is that she's aware of that. And that's, you know, that our letter writer really wants to show up in that way. But I think for anyone listening, like in times of struggle in our business, quite often we we look for things, quick. a quick and easy solution. Exactly. And just in case anyone is listening to this and imagining that mentoring might be a quick and easy solution, I would say anyone who's thought that previously that I've worked with has kind of had a, a real bump down to earth when they've got stuck into it I mean mentoring and coaching in many ways it's it's very vocational and it's very it's not really just work it's a full-on like connection that you're having yeah. with your human being it's a full like transference of energy so I think 
I mean, this it sounds like our letter writer today has had lots of actual experience of working in the art industry and supporting and connecting with different artists and so I think it's more how do you protect the energy you need to mentor while also protecting the energy you need for your ceramics business Mm. and usually that's probably going to look like batching out your work weeks I know some people who just coach one week of the month or mentor one week of the month that can be really helpful for you so that you have say a week a month where you do client work and then three weeks of the month where you get to work on your ceramics business that can feel even more separate in some ways so I guess for our letter right today if you do want to move forward with this the first thing to get clear on is how does this have to look in your schedule for you to be able to do your best work for your mentoring clients but still show up for your primary business which is your ceramics business and also of course she mentioned she's got a family all those other parts of her life are just as important and and they need to still have the space that they need. And which I always recommend is just get out a big piece of paper, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and map out what, within the realities of your life, what you want your week to look like. So if you know 5pm when the kids get home, what time do kids get home from school, Sarah? 3.30. Okay, well, so 3.00. 5pm? You can tell that I'm child-free. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so... Say you, well, say you have some form of childcare between half three and five. Mm. So then from 5 p.m. you're with your kid. And so, you know, that's when you switch off. And so, you know, you never do evening mentoring sessions, for example. Mm. Or say, you know, one evening a week, if you have a partner and they take the kids that evening, you can do evening mentoring sessions. Mapping out your week and how you need it to look and feel for this, for this next potential step to be worthwhile for you. And likewise, I think pricing, it needs to be worthwhile in that sense as well, which is why what you said earlier about knowing how much it needs to make you and then seeing how much time you can devote to it and that's really a simple calculation you divide those hours by that number and that's how much you need to charge for it to pay off and if that number feels like something that people won't pay then going back to the drawing board and looking at this again and seeing how you can build it into something that's going to meet the needs that you currently have. I'd also say it sounds like it's in an idea stage for our letter writer right Mm. now I would really encourage you to give yourself permission to spend a bit of time mapping out what it would look like for you to have a mentoring side business what kind of clients you want to work with what you'd work on together how much time you dedicate to that and sit with that and be like do I want to do this Mm. and where those clients would come from because of course with a whole new side to your business comes a whole new side to your marketing to your audience building, to all of those things that you're already doing and the things actually that you will be teaching. So in some respects, it's quite good because you'll get to practice some more of your strategies as you go into doing it. But all of that takes time, all of that takes energy. So a good idea is to kind of look into the realities of it right now and the practicalities and start thinking about what steps you want to take. Yeah, can you imagine yourself on a weekly basis creating content? to bring in new mentoring clients mm. the good thing is is that I feel like the marketing would still serve both businesses yeah as you raise your profile as a mentor it still sends people back to the ceramics as you raise awareness for ceramics it still sends potential people back to the mentoring they actually I actually would even argue that they could exist even under the same brand I think so if this is I'm picturing the same Instagram account yeah yeah the same mailing list it all belongs together yeah and, and in a way that might be even nicer for the letter writer to not have to feel like they have to run multiple channels how it can be more cohesive so then for you it just feels more cohesive absolutely but it's just about where you draw that line in your own headspace you don't necessarily need to draw the same lines for your customers yeah I think the part of the letter where you said that you could take on some part-time work but you really prefer to be your own boss that would be a sign to me that the hustle it would take 
to get this mentoring side of the ground is worth it mm-hmm. for you to still maintain autonomy over your time. And I think it's just you figuring out the specifics of what that could look like. To me, it really just feels like an evolution of this person's business into like the next stage. And I can think of lots of creative businesses I know who started purely as makers, sellers and have diversified into into maybe it's teaching or maybe it's workshops or maybe it's events. Um, because ultimately you're a creative, you're a creative person, which is why you have this business. And so it's natural for you to want to keep creating within the constraints of that business and see what you can make it do next. And the truth is, we're human beings who need money to make ends meet. And if this business that you adore is difficult to make ends meet, you could either put the pressure on that business or you can diversify and free up the energy to still just do what you love in that business. Absolutely. I think, I suspect there is a risk actually with our letter writer and this might just be my gut feeling or it could just be my imagination (laughs) but there's a chance that she might enjoy doing this other side of it so much that it becomes a bigger part of her business than the ceramics if she's not careful maybe she'll want that I mean I've, I've certainly seen that happen for people where they've set something up just as a side hustle to their main their main business and actually they found such an audience for it or such a passion for it or both that it's become more and more of their main business and the thing that they originally started out as has had to be sidelined. And what a great like a new adventure to go on. Absolutely, yeah. And you get the choice. If that's not what you want, then you don't let it happen. But if you do find that you're enjoying it, you get to lean into it and see where that takes you. It's interesting, actually. A few days ago, I sent out a little Q&A on Instagram for anyone who's got any topics they'd love us to explore in upcoming episodes. And someone replied kind of how to get over the fear of when you want to start a side business on top two from your business mm. and it just came into my head just then because I kind of feel like the letter we've read out is very like specific to this letter writer but I think for anyone listening who maybe does has a have a business but wants to start something on the side I guess the biggest takeaway I would say is like you're not crazy for wanting to do something on the side we're creative humans for a reason like we don't want to ever be put in one box and once you've built one business I think you have so many skills and so much knowledge to build your next one that means it's much more likely to succeed. And it's that entrepreneurial spirit, isn't it? Like once you've done it once, you can see all the other problems that you could help solve and all the other areas that you could be diversifying. And once you've built a platform for yourself, you kind of have the freedom to do whatever the hell you want. That's the amazing thing about what we do. Like I think this, like, well, hopefully we'll all, if we live long enough, we're going to be working for 50 years. Mm. I can't picture any of us wanting to do exactly the same thing 50 years about flexing our creative muscle in different ways. And no. I mean, and after Emma's book came out this year, The Multi-Hyphen Method, I think it's just been a big wake-up call that we no longer, we, we never had to, but we no longer have to just be one type of person doing one type of thing. In fact, it's really no longer helpful to try and be one person doing one type of thing. You kind of shut yourself off from opportunities. Absolutely. And and I think we're all seeing that now, like this business that we're talking about here, selling ceramics online and mentoring people in social media. What does that look like 20 years from now? Yeah. People probably will still want ceramics, but whether we're going to be selling them by holograms, whether social <laughs> media will even exist. And what would that coaching look like? I mean, what what would you be teaching in 20 years? I just don't think we can know right now. So it makes sense to follow new leads, new adventures, new opportunities within our businesses and see where they go. And some of them won't lead to anywhere and we'll double back and carry on with what we were doing and some of them will take us in unexpected directions I actually feel that I stifle my creativity if I don't give myself permission to kind of explore different curiosities Mm. 
I think there's like at the moment I'm working on writing a pilot script for a TV show, just like a self-started little project <laughs> that I'm doing. I, um, and I'm not, I don't have like, I mean, if I was Shonda Rhimes one day, I'd be the happiest person alive, but like, I don't have any ambitions right now to like pitch it anywhere or do anything with it. But the fact that I had a curiosity and I'm just playing with it mm. is making me feel more alive in all areas of my business. I know we've kind of gone off track from the letter in general, but I guess pulling it out to the idea of like side hustles on top of a business. Yeah. I think it's what saves us from getting lost in the monotony of the day-to-day of what we're doing. And I think also as business owners, not all part of being a business owner is creative. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to sacrifice your creativity within the business for the business. Yeah, And so I would say, having a side hustle, no matter whether it's something that's going to replace income or just be joy is kind of like a lot of us need it just to feel okay and happy and creatively fulfilled. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, I know, but a healthy business is a business that is evolving and growing. And you only have to look at the high street and see the companies that haven't managed to move with the times. House of Fraser, anybody. Oh my goodness, yeah. And you can tell, you can tell from their branding, you can tell from their web presence, the any of these companies, they're just not staying flexible and they're not evolving and they're not trying new things I mean it's very hard to do when you are a huge business with corporate shareholders and you have to have everyone's approval before you pivot in a new direction it's very easy to do when you're a small business and it's really just you and it's one of the advantages one of the few advantages (laughs) we have over big corporations and I think we need to be exploiting it to our full potential because it keeps us interested and engaged. It keeps our audience interested and engaged. And it means that we're able to stay relevant and current. Are we being unrealistic to always expect one thing to be our everything with the income and business? Like, are we doing ourselves a disservice by not allowing ourselves to have a portfolio career or a diversified career? How many writers do you know who also have to make an income stream from especially writers who have to just have another way to make a living or different artists who have to have different ways to fund the work they really want to be doing I've been blogging about this lately actually because like they're all the revenue streams in my business I have my courses which I think most people know about and assume is like the source of my revenue but I also do public speaking I do some freelance writing and I have a column and I have my book coming out and that's been a big source of revenue. I do some freelance photography. I have some sources of passive income like stock photography and stuff that I've sold over the years. I do sponsored posts on my Instagram. I've got other things I'm sure I'm forgetting right now. If you think of it as a pie chart. I've literally made a pie chart on my blog (laughs) and all these different pieces and some of the slices are bigger than others. Some of the slices I enjoy more than others and and workshops used to be quite a big slice and I realised that they were making me far too tired for the energy and for the money that I was making so I took that slice out and made up the pie with other things (laughs) and that's what we get to do as business owners and that's, I mean, that's just my business but I think... One of the bits of advice that I give to so many people is diversify your revenue streams because you're a lot less at risk if you have different sources of income for your business. Like that's just good business sense. If you're spreading the risk across different market sectors and different types of work, you're going to be able to withstand whatever Brexit throws at you or whatever the internet does next. So good advice for all business owners. And I think that includes our ceramicist here who at the moment only has that one single revenue stream which is probably quite dependent on things like social media I'd imagine and it's it's time limited if an income stream can't be scaled that's a scary place to be in if this ceramicist can only make a certain amount of money from the certain amount of time she's available and if that can't help her make ends meet 
something has to be done here. Yeah. And if you know that you want to be your own boss, then you have to find a way to make that work. And I would just say, it's the f- this is the future now of having multi-hyphenated careers of different parts of the pie. I just think for anyone who's in that situation, it's not a bad situation to be in. It's actually something to celebrate because you get to not be boxing as a human. You get to stay kind of hands in different pies, mm. <laughs> energized by it. I just think it's a really cool time to be in this industry as like creative humans. I totally agree. It's exciting. Yeah. And I think with the specifics of this letter writer, I think it's just giving yourself a mission to get clear on what this could look like. I would just say, if you enter into this, get clear on how it needs to work best for you and honor those boundaries. Because the thing is with any form of one-on-one work is it can take over if you don't have clear boundaries so you've got to be clear when you're available how much you charge what this looks like but this could be the best thing that happens to you like this could open up a whole new financial freedom for you and never underestimate the amount of energy financial stress takes yeah so true and who even knows if having more revenue helps you make interesting decisions of your ceramics business i was thinking that, that actually taking the pressure off the ceramics and her creativity to pay all the bills might give it more freedom for her to go in new directions with that as well. Yeah. I really hope that this letter writer like gets back in touch in six months and lets us know what she Yes, did. please. We want to see. We want to see your business evolve. Yeah, good luck though. We, um, I mean, anyone listening, if you are a side hustler, whether you've got a day job or you're a business owner or you've got a portfolio career, we would love to hear kind of how that's shaping out for you right now mm. and kind of what you're learning from it and yeah, what your advice would be to today's letter writer. And if you've got any experience of it working for you or not working for you, we'd still love to hear either way. Our hashtag is Dear Hopeful Creative on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you come to lettersfromahopefulcreative.com, you can write us a letter to be maybe included in a future episode too. Thanks for listening. Bye. You can join us at lettersfromahopefulcreative.com and on social media. So on Instagram, I'm at me and Orla. And you'll find me at Jen Carrington underscore. We are going to be sharing new episodes every Monday. So if you've liked what you've heard so far, hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show. Yeah, and we can't wait to connect with you soon.